0: Well, we're going to continue today as I just prayed about our study of uh, Romans chapter 15. You know that for a couple of weeks now, we've been looking at this famous group of people called church people. Most of us have made the choice to be a part of this famous group. Some may call it an infamous group. Obviously, the world's not always very excited about the church, are they? Sometimes they persecute the church, sometimes they make fun of the church, sometimes they just ignore the church. And sometimes we probably deserved it, didn't we? But you know, whatever we've been in the past as a church, whatever we are today, what we will be is conquerors in Jesus Christ, right? The church is conquerors in this world. And we conquer not with bombs and guns and politics. We don't conquer for land or rule, but we conquer with love. We conquer with the gospel and we conquer for the souls of men. Boy, that'd be a great recruiting line, wouldn't it? Put that out there, run commercials, recruit an army with a line like that. I guess the question is, is that actually what we're doing? Is that what you're doing? Is that what we're doing? What what do we do... As church people, is that what you see church people doing? Whether it be here at Colonial Heights Baptist or, or throughout America, throughout the church in America. What, what do church people do? Somebody might look at that question and think, what is that? Is that a tr- trick question? Church people, uh, they go to church. <laughs> that, that's what church people do. They, they go to church. They go and they sit in that building and they do church stuff for a little while and they come out nicer. They come out doing good deeds, right? I mean, at least that's the thought. That's what we hope might happen. Is that, is that what's entailed in being a church person? Is that what it's all about? Why did you come to church today? What are you hoping this helps you to do or to be? Maybe the bigger question is, what does God intend for us to do today? What does he intend for us to accomplish as church people? Let's see if we can get some help today answering these questions by looking at Romans chapter 15. Would you turn there with me this morning? Romans chapter 15, we're continuing our, our study of the letter to the Romans. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you, we've got a couple of Bibles on every row. Uh, you can reach one or have somebody hand it to you, but want everybody to be able to, to read along. We are, as you turn the page, you'll see Romans 16 is the end of the letter. So we are nearing the end of this study that we've been at uh, for over a year now. Romans chapter 15 today, we're looking at verses 1 to 21. Let's begin there. Let me begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good in order to build him up. For even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written before was written for our instruction, so that through our endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we may have hope. Now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you agreement with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with a united mind and voice. Therefore, accept one another just as the Messiah also accepted you to the glory of God. Now I say that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised, that would be the Jews, That Christ has become a servant to the Jews on behalf of the truth of God. To confirm the promises to the fathers. And this is a promise about Gentiles. And when it says Gentiles, you're going to see several Old Testament passages quoted here. When it's referring to Gentiles, it's talking about people groups. It's talking about nations. Probably somewhat symbolic in this case of the lost. It's talking about God's promise to the Jews about how He'll work through them to reach the lost. Verse nine, and so Gentiles may also, like Jews, glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and I will sing psalms to your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles and the peoples, all peoples should praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, that would be Jesus, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power Of the Holy Spirit now my brothers I myself am convinced that you uh, about you that you also are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another nevertheless to remind you I have written to you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles serving as a priest of God's good news My purpose is that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God, for I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit, As a result, I have fully proclaimed the good news about the Messiah from Jerusalem all the way around to Iliaricum. That would be a little bit like saying from New York to L.A., from from Seattle to Miami. So my aim is to evangelize where Christ has not been named in order that I will not be building on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who had no report of Him will see, and those who have not heard will will understand again our question today is what do church people do why did we get in our car and come to church today as we pull off the lot what are we going back out into the world to do i believe in romans chapter 15 there's at least five not only five but there's at least five clear things that that you and i are to be about as a church person Number one, it comes right out of the very first verse there, is man, we're to strive to be strong. We're to strive to be strong in the Lord. The passage starts off by saying those who are strong. You know the last two weeks we've been in Romans 14 and a lot of the discussion there was about those who are weak. Now in the context of these two chapters, the weak are those who have put faith in Christ But you know what? They're still struggling with rules. Not in keeping them, but rather in using rules to get to God. In using rules to find God's approval. They're not trusting fully in the cross. For them, the weak, it's the cross plus something the strong on the other hand it's just the cross that they have full faith and full confidence that that by the work of christ on the cross for them they have complete and total acceptance by god they have complete and total access to god there's nothing they're adding that is making his approval richer or better fully in the cross they're trusting and so the strong are to come along and help the weak help them understand Scripture, model that Scripture, model that faith. They are to come along and help them. Now, in this passage that I just read, there's not a command to be strong. Did you know that? It's just talking about those who are strong. Now, there are commands throughout the New Testament for you and I to be strong in faith, for you and I to be strong in the Lord. Not a command here, just a reference but I wrote this point as, a, as if it was a command because isn't it implied? I mean, if you see two groups of people, there are the strong and there are on the weak. Can we possibly sit here content and say, put me down for the weak? I'd like, I'd like to sign up for the weak group. I'm already in the weak group and I'm satisfied to stay there for an indefinite amount of time. Can we read that description? And remember, it's not just strong and weak and if you feel like you're getting along fine weak. Man, we're talking about loving God. We're talking about worshiping Christ. We're talking about following Him. We can't possibly sit here and say, I'm satisfied and can't content to be weak in that. Just the fact that there is a status called those who are strong, does that not mean we should want to be strong? That we're going to want to grow through the the study of God's Word, the application of God's Word. We're going to want to grow in worship. We're going to want to grow in faith. We're going to want to grow in obedience. We're going to want to grow in in studying and understanding God's purpose for our lives and living that out. Folks, we should be getting in the car on Sunday morning and driving to church because I want to be strong in the Lord. I, I want to be strong in faith. I want to pull off the lot with a commitment to to live for the Lord strongly with power, with confidence. I want to pull off the lot with a commitment to, to live faith with strength. That's what church people do. Of course, that leads right to the second thing we do as a person who is seeking to be strong. And I'd like for us to kind of think while Paul is communicating this as two distinct groups, we're all on the spectrum somewhere, right? Even the weak have somebody behind them that's weaker. That means to that person, they're strong, right? And even the strong have somebody stronger in front of them in that moment. There's somebody that I can model an example. So the the second point, what do church people do? Man, we help people become stronger in Christ. Wherever we are ourselves, there's somebody behind us. There's somebody I can encourage that I can bring along. We are to help. You know, I wonder today. You know, the, the, this, I think statistics say roughly one-third of America goes to church. I guess that would be around 100 and, 125 million people sometime this morning, depending on the time zone, or getting into a car, and they're going to pull onto a church lot. I wonder how many of them are thinking as they pull onto that lot, who am I going to help in Christ today? Who can I encourage? Who can I strengthen in Christ today as I enter that building? Would I be overly pessimistic if I said probably a pathetically insignificant number of people are thinking about that? I mean, and and I'm not saying that as a chastisement. I'm saying that because it's just not natural to think that way, isn't it? When we pull onto the lot, our natural tendency is not, how am I going to minister? That's what pastors do. That's what the teacher does. That's what somebody with a title or or, or a position does. The only problem, folks, I'm looking here at Romans 15, and nowhere does it use the word pastor or teacher. nowhere does it say those who are strong and have a position and have a title. Now, it's natural to think that way, isn't it? We come in here and I, I think our tendency, isn't it? I mean, I think it has been for me over the years. Our tendency is to think it happens up there. I sit down here and the ministry comes this direction, doesn't it? We sit here and it's going to be the music, it's going to be the sermon, it's going to be a prayer. The ministry happens this direction and comes this way. I mean, that's just our mindset. We're coming, I mean, we got all the chairs set up for it, right? The chairs are all aiming that way. And you know what? I hope what goes up on here certainly has a huge impact. On people being strengthened and aided in the Lord. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you what's going to happen today. And it happens every single Sunday. Somebody today is going to be strengthened in God. Somebody today is going to be encouraged. They're going to be kept in the fight. They're going to be kept in the game. And it is going to have absolutely nothing to do with what comes off this stage and out this direction. It's going to be something as simple as a conversation that takes place in the concourse. It's going to be something as little as walking down the sidewalk and somebody listens. Man, folks, everybody, every believer, according to Romans 15, we should all be entering this place we call the church thinking, who am I going to aid? Who am I going to help? Who am I going to encourage today? Yeah, we'll, we'll anticipate a lot of stuff coming off the stage in this direction. But folks, it should be happening all over this campus. It should be happening in every corner of this building. So what do church people do? Man, they strive to be strong in the Lord. They strive to help others be strong in the Lord. And the third thing they do, they are people pleasers. I never thought I'd have a sermon point that say we'd be people pleasers. I mean, does that phrase kind of have a negative connotation to you? It does to me, man. When I think of a people pleaser, I think of somebody that has no identity. I I think of somebody that is used. You know, they not only do wrong for somebody else's approval, they'll let wrong be done to them. They'll be taken advantage of. If that's what gets your love, if that's what gets your approval, if that's what gets your friendship, then man, you you can wrong me. I mean, isn't that how you kind of define a people pleaser? Is that what Paul's talking about? Obviously not. He's not talking about us being taken advantage of or certainly not doing wrong. He's not even talking about what we get out of it. Again, a people pleaser is doing something for what they get, approval. But we're pleasing others, why? To build them up. You know what this passage is saying, folks? You and I are to be about... You know what church people are to be about? Affecting relationships in a pleasing way. All relationships, your best friend, your mate, your children, the stranger, the acquaintance, the co-workers, people you bump into, you're always thinking, what would bring something pleasing to this relationship? A lot of times, a lot of relationships might be something very small, a plate of chocolate chip cookies, I don't know. Other times it might be a note or a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's kind of some big stuff. You know what's going to make this relationship positive? You know what's going to bring pleasure here? Forgiving, that's hard. Serving, that can be hard. But you and I are constantly thinking about having a pleasing impact on all of our relationships, wherever they fall on the spectrum. Why? So that we're liked? No. So that we have a platform for doing ministry. We are being pleasing, so we have a platform for speaking the truth, which is how number one and number two were accomplished, right? You see, folks, I think sometimes why church people have such a bad name amongst each other and even out in the world is, man, I want to speak truth. But so many times we're speaking that truth in a relationship where it's not, it's not very pleasing. The relationship's not real strong. There's a, not a lot there. There's not a lot of platform there. It's just the raw data. It's just the raw truth regardless of how it hits you or, or lands on you. And said, Paul says, hey, let's, let's be pleasing. Let's be pleasing in our relationships so that we have this opportunity to do ministry and, and to speak truth fourth thing I see him telling us here at the end of verse 6 is that we need to join the orchestra. I didn't ever imagine that either. You say, but pastor, I don't play an instrument. Not my problem. And we're supposed to join. The, you say, verse 6, I don't see it saying join the orchestra. Verse 6. Man, look at the end there. United mind and voice. Your, your translation may say be of one mind and one voice. That word one, that word united really kind of pictures an orchestra. You know, folks, when you, when you think of how an orchestra is made up and we have about 15 to 20 different instruments, you see some of them, maybe from the angle you can see some of these. We have about 15, 20 different instruments. If we were to line them up all out here, you'd see, man, these instruments look completely different. They're different shapes, they're different sizes, they're made out of different materials, they play different purposes, they make completely different sounds, different noises. They even play different purposes in the music. Some kind of have a standalone quality and, and and are featured more in solos. Others really just kind of add to the richness and the depth of the of the whole. So these instruments have all kinds of personalities. And they don't lose that personality, but what they do is they follow a conductor. They follow the notes on the page and they produce one music. They produce one song. And that's where the strength and the beauty of any individual instrument is. It's in joining the whole. Now the reason that's a picture of the church. While you and I are commanded to be of one mind, to be united, that's not a command to think the same, do the same, talk the same, dress the same, look the same. That's what cults do. Cults control the group around one idea and move everybody as a unit. That's not what God's doing here. That's not what he's calling for here. Man, you know, did you know folks that God's an artist? God's an art. Look at the fish. Look at the birds. Look at the Sahara Desert and Mount Everest. God's an artist and an artist loves variety. He loves diversity. He loves differences. There's nothing gained if if you and I, when we come together as church people, we lose our personality. We lose our our strengths. we, We lose our differences. Man, there's a beauty in that variety. There's even a work of God in that with all of our differences, we can come together and be one. But in our individuality, there is a greater strength, there is a greater opportunity to work together with the whole, to discover what is my individual role in being seen? No, my individual role in becoming a part of the whole. So that a beautiful symphony is played. A symphony that the world lines up to hear and see. Did you know that you and I coming together, loving each other, working together as one? Jesus says that's actually to attract the world. The way we come together as an orchestra and do His work. Now what is that work? What is that symphony? that is played that's number five folks and really number one through four all lead to our opportunity as church people to do number five and that is when we accept each other in here when we're helping each other working together when we're united when we help each other in here we most effectively go out there and glorify god and carry the gospel Folks, that's what church people do. They make much of God in here so that much of God is made out there. That's what's to be happening in every church in America today. We're coming onto the lot, thinking about making much of God so that we better together pull off the lot, making much of God in the world. Look at verse 6. You see the two words, so that? Verse 7, do you see the word, therefore? Therefore. Verse 9, do you see again the words so that? Jump down to verse 20, do you see my aim or my ambition? Every one of these is a purpose statement. It is the purpose of this passage. And the purpose of this passage is that we are exalting and glorifying God. The purpose of this passage is that we are carrying the gospel to the world, and that the world, here referred to as the Gentiles, end up praising God with the same songs, the same psalms that you and I are praising God with. Do you think that's what's happening in the church in America today? Again, would I be overly pessimistic to say? Probably not. You see, folks, when we're fighting in here, when we're not helping each other in here, when we're we're self-centered in here, then we're not going to fulfill our mission out there. And does not, think about it, folks, does not church after church and denomination after denomination across our great land prove this? Are people pulling onto the lot today across America thinking about making much of God? Are they pulling off thinking about how will I do that this week? How will I join church people across this country, across this world doing this? No, we're not. You say how do you know we're not? Cuz I know what goes on in me. And not only do I know what goes on in me, I'm pretty much counting you're pretty much the same and I know what's going on in you. We're not thinking about that as we pull off the lot. Do you know that about 90% of what we're thinking about as we pull off the lot is self? I like the song. I didn't like the song. I like the sermon. I didn't like the sermon. And when I pull off the lot thinking I didn't like the sermon, I promise you that's a, that's a bad afternoon for me. You know, why, why did they pick that color carpet? Why is the bulletin that color? Why do they do it at that hour? That's a stupid program. You know what church people across the America Day will pull off the lot doing? Thinking about how church affected them. They make this entire hour, this entire morning about self. When we are about self in here, we will not fulfill the mission out there. It's impossible. And you can't point to a single person. You can't point to a single church. You can't point to a denomination that's doing it. Folks, I really believe that what Romans 15 is talking about here is the absolute impotence of the church in the United States. We have made church all about what it means to me, what it's doing for me, and how it's helping me. Instead of us becoming an orchestra, a united body to make much of God in here so that we can make much of God out there. Man, I've given five simple points. Let me boil it down to even three simpler points. This is what church people do. I wrote it as an individual, my aim, but think of it as church people. What do church people do? They seek to be strong in the Lord. They seek to help others be strong in the Lord. Why? So that we... Do you see the capitalization there? Folks, in the Christian faith, there needs to be a whole lot of we. And I believe in American Christianity, we've made a whole lot of me. There needs to be a lot of we so that we most effectively glorify God and take the gospel to the lost. Now, How would we do that here at Colonial Heights Baptist Church? I want to share a couple of things. And folks, these aren't announcements. This is not a promotion of a program. I didn't put this whole sermon together so I could promote these things, but rather I put this sermon together and then said, now how does somebody in our church take the next step in moving forward in these five things or these three things. And and it is going to be unique to each church. They might answer this a little bit differently at St. Anne's next door or, or Ivy Memorial across the street. But here at Colonial Heights Baptist, man, if I'm saying, man, i got to become a part of the orchestra. I've got to be thinking about how I grow, how I help others grow, how I'm joining others so that we, 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 how would I do that here? You know, I could, if you are here for the very first time today or you've been coming here for about a year or maybe you've just joined even, man, I would say the first step for you is a Life Together class. Life Together, our next class, by the way, it's a little bit ways out there, but it's coming, mark the date down, October 28th. It'll be four Sundays at the 9.55 hour, so you can come to worship at 8.25, stay an hour for four Sundays and go to Life Together. You say, what's that class about? Life together. (laughs) You know what? We don't follow Christ alone. We don't walk with God alone. We don't serve God alone. We do that together. It's life in Christ together. And this class is designed to help you know how can you, how will you do that as a part of this family we call Colonial Heights Baptist. You'll get introduced to the pastors, to the beliefs, to the building, to the ministries. You'll get an opportunity to, to know this place. That's called the family of Colonial Heights Baptist. I would encourage you right now. Write that date down and and be a part of that. Maybe you're already further along than that. You've already done that. I would say there's two things. Now there's a lot of things. But two classes you could really be aided by being a part of. And that would be faith and place. Faith is all about what our purpose is here. Sharing the gospel. Faith will teach you to tell your story of what God has done in your life. How to share that story. How to share the gospel. That class just started in the last Wednesday or so. You can still get in it. You'd have to jump in this Wednesday. They have over 100 people in it this semester. Isn't that awesome? I think it'd be great if they added another 10 or 20 out of today. So you say, man, I want to be in that. I want to do that. I want to learn to share the gospel. I want to learn to share my faith. Go to the information desk. They'll give you the information. They'll tell you where to be. That class is Wednesday night. Another class you'd want to get involved in, it's going now. You can't get in it now because it's a little bit too far along. But you can go out there, get information at the information desk about this class and when the next one starts, and that's place. Place is totally about joining the orchestra. Place is trying to discover what kind of instrument you are. Place will help you look at your gifts and abilities, your background, your personality, and how you would best fit into this church where you would serve and actually enjoy it. You know, I think the church's pretty bad sometimes, but we got a list of needs. We got a list of things that need to get done. And if you'll say yes, I'll shove you in there, whether that's the instrument you play or not. Folks, I don't want you just doing something. I want you doing something that God's designed you to do. That, that's unique to your abilities and your experiences. So that you are fulfilled and actually have fun at this. I'm not saying it's always fun, but it should be every now and then, right? It should be encouraging. It should be fulfilling to know and to serve the Lord. Place will help you to do that. The last step I would encourage you to take, folks, is to get involved in a a life group. Bible fellowship, Sunday school, whatever you want to call it. Now, I know at this hour, we probably have a pretty high percentage of those of you that are involved in that but folks, when you think about those first two points, growing strong in the Lord, helping others grow strong in the Lord, folks, those are commands on our life. You and I are commanded to do that. When they're commands, you and I shouldn't be looking for a way to accidentally do that. To, to bump into it periodically every now and then. No, we need to purpose that into our life. And to do that, we have to choose to on purpose engage in building in Christian relationships. In our church, that is most consistently, most effectively going to happen when you get a part of a life group. So you come to the 825 hour and then there's life groups at 955. There's life groups connected with any worship hour that you want to come to. We've got about 60, 65% of our church in a life group. You know what? About 90 or 95% should be connected. You say, well, why not 100%? Well, somebody's coming for the first time today, right? Right. Somebody's just visiting and checking this out and hasn't quite taken that step yet. But folks, we need to see a lot more commitment among us to engage in those relationships. Walk out there to the information desk and say, what's a life group? When do they meet? What are my choices? When can I go? They'll help you with all those decisions. Folks, again, I hope I'm not being overly pessimistic. I think the church in America is largely impotent. I think there are great churches that are having a great impact. But there are, and I'm just talking about Southern Baptists. Forget adding up all the other denominations. There's over 47,000 Southern Baptist churches in the United States. I'm sorry, I don't see the impact of 47,000 churches on this country. 47,000. Why? Because we've reduced church to self. We've reduced church to... Going in a building for an hour, doing some church stuff, and out we go. Whether it makes us nicer or not. Folks, we pull into this building to make much of God. And we leave here thinking, how can, yes me, but we make much of God together. And that's how the church will have its impact on this country and on this world. And we are to have an impact. God did not put us here to mark time, but to be salt, to be light, to make a difference. Amen? And we do it together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, may it be true at Colonial Heights Baptist. May it be true across the Southern Baptist Convention. God, may it be true in every denomination of the United States and across this world. God, there is is six out of seven billion people out there that are dying and going to hell while we're arguing about the color of carpet and the schedule and whether somebody talked to us or not and whether we like this or that. God, how it must break your heart. God, I pray we entered this building to be strong in you and for no other reason. I pray as we're walking around in this building, we're constantly looking at who can I please today? Bless today, encourage today. Who can I strengthen in the Lord today? God, I pray as we look around this room, we don't see a mass of people, some we know and some we don't know. But God, we see a body, a family that we're a part of, that we have a responsibility to play a role in so that we, the church people of Colonial Heights Baptist, profoundly impact the worship of the living God, not just on Sunday morning, but seven days a week across the earth. That we profoundly impact people understanding the person of Christ and what He did for them on the cross. May it be true of us, God. Lord, I prayed a moment ago that you would move and that you would speak. I pray now that every person in this room is thinking of, what's my response? How am I respond to, to how God has moved and how God has spoken today? Is it to join a life group? Is it to join the church today? I'm disconnected, I'm not a part of a church. I'm Staying out here on the edge as an individual. Lord, maybe there's people in this room today that in just a moment when we stand and sing, they need to take a step of faith and come forward to a pastor and say, I want to be a part of God's family. I want to join the church. Maybe there's people in the room today that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today can be the day that changes for all eternity. Today will be the day that they enter a relationship with you and they become a part of the body of Christ. They become a part of church people to live significantly on this planet with your people. Lord, if there's somebody in here that is lost during this moment right now, would you speak to them? Let it be their voice, not mine. Let it be your voice that they hear and that they respond to. May they in just a moment come forward and... Tell one of these pastors, I want to know Christ. Lord, maybe they need to go out and that information desk and say, sign me up for faith. When's that next place class? Where's a life group? God, maybe it's something I haven't mentioned. But would you put the burden on each and every person in this room that when you've spoken, where to move? You don't speak for our entertainment. You speak to move us. God, may we know how to move as we move out of this hour and on with the rest of this day and week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.